You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Adam and Eve. AdamandEve.com is like the biggest online superstore for all of your sex needs. They've got toys, they've got lingerie, they've got movies. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for everything sexy. Now, you'll get 10 free gifts when you order one item. Something for her, something for him, something you'll both enjoy, and six free movies, plus free shipping. All you have to do is enter code HOLLY at checkout. That's H-O-L-L-Y at adamandeve.com for your 10 free gifts. Hello, all you amazing, beautiful people. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. I'm actually quite excited about today's episode because I think it's just one of those really revealing, honest interviews that sheds so much light on the sometimes uncomfortable and heartbreaking situations that can occur in the adult industry. My guest today is Ginger Banks, an enormously popular cam model who has recently crossed over into shooting professional porn. Now, it was kind of impossible to interview her without bringing up the movie Cam Girls that she shot for Evil Angel. And if you follow her on social media at all, you probably already know there was a lot of controversy around that film. Overall, it's obvious that Ginger's experience wasn't all that positive, But what really impressed me about her was how she stepped back from the incident and looked at it in a really methodical way. She systematically looked at every occurrence and considered not only where the people involved could have handled the situation better, but where she herself could have handled the situation better. I have to say, it's pretty rare to come across people who have such a strong sense of self-awareness that they don't entrench themselves into victim mode, but rather take it all as a learning experience and use it to better guide them on their decisions moving forward. And believe me, I'm not saying that Ginger wasn't the victim of negligence. It sounds to me like she was definitely unfairly taken advantage of. But it takes someone with a lot of maturity and honestly, a lot of emotional intelligence to handle such a situation in the way that she did. And her experience with consent violations, and unfortunately, this is something we've seen many times with other performers, it's just once again a reminder to the rest of us how important it is to discuss boundaries on set and additionally to make sure that everybody respects them. Also, it's important to recognize that in the heat of the moment, Someone may not feel like they can actually speak up about how they were feeling, which is why, again, discussions about do's and don'ts are so important to have before the scene starts. As much as I really feel for Ginger in this whole situation, I really appreciate her coming on here to talk about it in such an open and honest way. There are so many things we can take home from this. The aforementioned discussion of boundaries on set, the destructive power of cyberbullying on social media and how it really hurts people, and the consistent reminder that we are dealing with real people. These girls, especially when they are new, deserve to be treated with respect, dignity, and we need to listen to them. As technology continues to shift the balance of power from the producer to the performer, It's important that those of us who work behind the scenes remember that our livelihood is dependent on the people who work in front of the camera, and communication and respect is key. 
So Ginger, before we begin, I just want to once again thank you for this incredibly genuine episode. It's girls like you who remind the rest of us that porn stars are people too. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am very excited to have Ginger Banks here. Ginger, you look so summery. I love wearing like flowers and bright colors and stuff. They spark joy in my life. Yeah, spark joy. (laughs) Have you you seen that Netflix show? Are you kidding me? A show about cleaning? Yes. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. Like it really opened my mind to like how much shit I have. I know. It's so, it's hard too because it's like, when you have so much stuff, you don't see it anymore. And then like you actually look around and you see how much clutter and crap you have. And you're like, I have so much shit. Like I still need to like declutter my house. It's just gross. Yeah. I took a backpacking trip to Costa Rica with just one backpack. I think that was like, it was revolutionary. Cause I was like, yeah. I could live off of this Wow, for weeks. How? Yeah. I'll take like a, I'll take like a four day trip and I'll have like a huge suitcase and my boyfriend's always like, what the fuck did you pack? I'm like, I don't know what I want to wear. Exactly. I want to, I don't, I want to make the decision when I get there. I need options. Yeah. But you know, I went to Nicaragua once, um, to visit a friend and I met this really cool couple who, um, it was actually really, really neat. They had met at some like f- moon festival in Thailand and they literally decide like they fell in love and then they just had this crazy decision to travel the world together for 18 months and quit their jobs and just fucking do it. Right. And they'd literally been dating for like, they just met and, um, and they're still together. This is years ago. And so, and they did it. And the girl, um, had, you know, they traveled very light and she actually like told me and kind of broke it down to me exactly like how she packed stuff, what she brought, Um, and she talked about like, you know, um, packing things of certain materials. So like they didn't wrinkle and like, you know, the things you don't think of. Yeah. And like different, like color. I mean, cause she was also like fashion conscious, you know, like she was super cute and she just brings a lot of accessories. That's what I hear. If you travel a lot, you just bring a bag of accessories so you can look different. different. Yeah. It was, it was really amazing. Um, I didn't take any of that information home with me and use it, but, um, I was super impressed. (laughs) Thanks for the advice. It Thanks for the advice. Nice. I'm still going to pack a huge suitcase I'll, for four days. I'll repeat it to other people for you. but I'll tell people how impressed I was by you, but I'm not going to actually follow any of your advice whatsoever. I feel like that a lot when I'm giving advice. It's something I've been trying to stop. It's like, right? It's so like easy. People don't advice. ask for advice. Like, chill. Yeah, but I mean, you have such wisdom. It's your duty to impart it upon other people. And some like younger cam models are just like, oh, keep going, keep going. But then like, I'll go to someone else and I'll keep that habit going. And they're like, thank you for the business plan. I did not ask for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, sorry. So you, um, you've been in the industry for a year. Now, does that mean just shooting porn for a year? Yeah, just shooting porn for other companies. I've been camming for nine years. Okay, I was going to say, there's no way that you've been like just doing all this stuff for a year. For one year, no, that would be a really big boom. But no, in nine years since I was 20, I started in college camming. And then I really thought about doing porn for three years or so. Mm -hmm. I asked around about all the different agents and then I just decided to stay independent and Mm -hmm. shoot for 
the directors that I really want to work for and work with people that I really want to work for. Right. I mean, I'm privileged in that regard because Mm -hmm. I started my career in camming and Mm -hmm. clips. So my income comes from that. I don't have to be dependent on shooting. Yeah. It's really revolutionized the adult industry camming, I have to say. And from somebody on the other side who obviously has never worked in camming um, and who works just on the production side, I've noticed like I'm of like two minds for it. Like on one hand, um, I have to say that I, I think camming is really great because I love the independence that it gives girls. And I, and I like that, you know, I like to see women um, succeed and I like to see the models have more power and agency over their careers. Mm-hmm. But I will say that as a producer, sometimes I have problems with some cam models. Oh yeah. I can only imagine. So now definitely- we have a lot of spare time on our hands. I think that leads to- well social media yeah yeah, that but not necessarily just that but i feel like and tell me if i'm wrong i'm not but you can tell me think i'm wrong and i'll tell you that i'm not um but i have i feel like sometimes these girls build this you know they build a career out of their own bedroom right and they've never worked for other people with other people they are surrounded by this echo chamber 100%. of fans who just tell them that they're amazing yes, and that they're, they're everything like the and that beautiful girl the most beautiful met. girl in the world. And they get this distorted sense of self. If anyone tells you you're wrong, those people will like come to your defense to say how right you are. Right. Even if you are wrong. Yes. It doesn't matter because totally you've got 100%. a bunch of guys that like maybe don't have relationships with women and see you as you're their like a god. relationship. You're a god in those people's world. Like right. goddess. Right. And you so are. you get this distorted sense of self and then you go to work with other people who are professionals and who are trying to put together a shoot. And even though you were hired for this shoot, you've decided that your opinion is the only one that matters and that everything should be done your way. And um, you don't want to compromise and you don't want to listen to people who it's their production. So I've been on that yeah. end and I've gotten super frustrated. I had one girl in particular. Um, I'll tell you who she is afterwards. I had like serious fucking issues with. And I, I had never had that experience with someone before, ever. And the way that she told me that like the way I was shooting it, keep in mind, she said all of this to me without seeing the pictures or the video, just in her head. She didn't, she the lingerie knew. was bad. Um, the locations were terrible. It was just, it was so weird. A lot of us have like, you really don't work with other people. No, like that's you, what I'm you saying. can work by yourself solo. Right. And make just as much money as like any one of your other counterparts. So right. once you start having to compromise right. and deal with other people's opinions when you've been the queen of your own world for so long. And- right. Yeah. So it's like, so on one hand, obviously I was intensely irritated and super frustrated. But on the other hand, I had some like begrudging respect for her because I was like, this girl actually doesn't need to do this shoot. Like, and she straight up told me that. And, you know, obviously I was offended. Yeah. But I was also like, she's, she's right. She doesn't have to do this shoot. Um, which is kind of amazing and good for you for having those options. So what I did was I gently suggested to her that perhaps working for other people wasn't in her best interests and she might be better served creating her own productions where she hired people to 
do the shoot exactly how she wanted. Because if she didn't need the money and she didn't need to do that shoot, maybe don't accept those bookings. Yeah, and do it your own way. And do it your own That's way. That's great advice. And then we don't have to have this problem. See, a lot of people don't even want to have any sort of uncomfortable conversation like that. So they'll just never book her again and never speak to her again. And what does... Oh, I'll never book her again but, yeah. or speak to her but, again. But but you should, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to... Here, here's here's your the, the resources you need to be successful of. Yeah. You can go fuck up your career yourself now. Yeah, exactly. Like if <laughs> you, got, I can. you got your own thing going, you got you, like, cause whether you believe go, it or not, your reputation like will precede you in this industry. And it's, oh, absolutely. If you've never met someone, they've heard about you. Yeah. No matter what. Yes. A lot of the time. That so. is so true. Hopefully it's good. But I also like want to say just in case there's like some cam models that are listening that decided that they hate me now. I have shot so many amazing cam models, so many amazing ones. So it definitely doesn't apply to everybody. You shoot with uh, Emily Bloom. Yeah. A lot, right? Oh, she's incredible. I love her. I have great pictures. Her, um, I've shot Molly Stewart. She's also amazing. Um, I mean, Bailey Rain's a good friend of mine. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's like tons and tons of girls that I've shot that have been incredible. Mm-hmm. It was really honestly like just this one girl that I had this bad experience with. But I have talked to other people who've had similar experiences. I definitely would have to agree with that. Yeah. I was So I was going to ask you, like, how do you feel about that? Because it's funny, like other cam girls that I've talked to about that experience are like, oh, yeah, totally. Like... I I think that we cultivate like our own um our own crowd around us. I mm-hmm. think if you freak out on people who tell you their opinions, a lot mm-hmm. of people will just start to cater your world. Like I don't want people I don't ever want to be surrounded by yes men. And mm-hmm. I think that if you freak out on people, you freak out on your fans who maybe are just really trying to help you a lot mm-hmm. of the time, you're gonna push those people away. And mm-hmm. then you don't even realize when you're doing bad things or hurting people or anything like that. So I it our job's super isolating. Like yes. I I personally stopped talking to all of my friends when I started camming and I started getting popular because I just didn't want to deal with their reactions. Yeah. So it's not like the porn world where like, you're still going to at least be going to set and you're still going to be interacting with humans. Like there would be like weeks where I wouldn't talk to someone other than my boyfriend Mm -hmm. because I was lying about my job. I was lying about it to everybody in our town. So that's so hard. And I mean, you can just turn in on yourself or you can... I don't know. There is a really great, like our Twitter community is amazing mm-hmm. and it's as good as it can be through a computer. I think mm-hmm. I always encourage sex workers to try and reach out to other ones in their mm-hmm. area because whether or not you believe it, there's another sex worker yeah. in your town. Yeah. Even if there's 10,000 people in it, there's probably two of you in that fucking town. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, there's a real camaraderie between you guys and it's great. And, you know, I think the adult industry has definitely recognized the influence and, you know, your importance. And I think, again, like, I think it's so great. I just feel like some, some girls need a little bit of balance. No, true. I think you're, you're so right. It being such an isolating job. I mean, you know, your reality is like reflected in people around you, you know, you need like people around you to remind you of your place in the world. Exactly. Of who you are. Sometimes. You lose sense of yourself, especially if you're like putting on a show a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah. So how did, so tell me a little bit about the beginning of camming for you and what it was like, because you mentioned something about having to hide it from your friends. So when I very first started, I shared an apartment like in college. So I would do it at my boyfriend's apartment because he had his own room. Mm -hmm. And so I would go in there and I would do it like quietly. I didn't make any noise. He had mm-hmm. like four roommates that were home. And so I did it really secretly. But then I started getting 
popular because I did library shows at ASU. Like mm. that was one of the things I did in the college library. So I started getting really popular for that. So I sta- then I started explaining to everybody in my life because I thought it was going to be on the news. Like Kendra Sunderland, when that mm-hmm. came out, I was like, I had some people threatening, like, I'm going to get you outed too. So I was like, I might as well just tell all my friends and family. And that was really freeing. It was really nice. And then my ex got a job across the country and he told me like, will you move with me? And I want you to lie about your job. Mm. And I agreed to it, which was a huge mistake. I should have left him then. So we moved across the country in this tiny town and like, it was just so isolating. I didn't have anybody in my life. I couldn't talk about my job ever. He, I, that was also the time when I was thinking about doing porn and he Mm -hmm. would say things to me like, if you leave me and start doing porn, who's going to want to be with you? And that was really hard. Like I still struggle with those things that he said to me. So I'm trying to move past that. And it's self-love is the answer to that and Mm -hmm. being proud of what you do. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been trying to, you know, focusing on saying things that I wish I would have heard as a sex worker at the beginning of my career, Mm -hmm. just like, there's going to be people out there that are going to judge you, but if you're strong and uh, your sense of who you are and you're proud of yourself, then those words aren't going to be able to affect you anymore. Because I I think my goals recently have kind of changed. Like I want the stigma surrounding our industry to go away, mm. but I think it's more important for me to empower sex workers and tell them to just like not care about the that stuff that's going on and realize that you can't control other people's opinions about you and the happier we are and the more successful we are. And then people are going to see that on their own. Yeah. And then we're not going to be spending so much time on other people and ourselves. Right. And it takes a while to change people's minds. Yeah. I I always say that I'm going to spend my whole life uh, fighting the sex work stigma. And like now that I've kind of realized, like I'm just going to spend my life being happy and the doing the things that I love Mm -hmm. while also speaking about this. Right. And, it's it's nice. It's a little bit more relieving of like my whole life is going to be dedicated to just yeah. that one thing. Yeah. I mean, they've definitely, I mean, it definitely shows that like, you know, younger people are becoming more and more accepting of sex work oh and gosh. porn and all of that. So I think like the people who are more established in mm-hmm. their beliefs are not going to they're not going to change their mind, you know, totally. but I, I think that, you know, as more, and, and also too, like with the internet is more and more people have access to it Yeah, I mean, to watching it or performing in it in on cam or however they do it. Oh yeah. You know, it's definitely changing like clip sites and Snapchat and OnlyFans, mm-hmm. like, you know, someone who makes money from porn or yeah. sex work, like almost guaranteed these days. Like you probably just don't hear about it. Right. What do you think is the most difficult thing about camming? Um, maybe determining your like your own prices and yourself like like what am I supposed to charge? Because mm. in the camming world, it's kind of just like anything. Like it's and I kind of think of yourself as like a street vendor because mm-hmm. I'm on a free free to free to watch site, so anybody mm-hmm. can come into my room and see me. So it, it was really difficult. Like deciding like what is my time worth mm-hmm. and how much should I charge mm. I still almost like feel a hard time doing that sometimes and I've yeah. been doing it for nine years yeah so I think that there's a huge um there's a really big desire for like educational resources for new porn stars and new camming girls like mm-hmm. clip makers I think that if somebody provides that it will be consumed yeah. rapidly what would your advice be my advice would be to ask, like, just do research, mm-hmm. ask around. Twitter is a really valuable place to tweet people and ask things. People are very helpful if you just ask questions. I think that 
picking a website, starting on it and mastering it before you move on to another one is a good piece of advice because mm. I mean, I get 12 different paychecks, but I wouldn't suggest you go out and start working on 12 different websites. Wow. So you cam on multiple sites, not just one? Um, I only cam on my free cams, okay. but I, you know, make OnlyFans, yeah. Fancentro, Pornhub. All the different streams of revenue. Mini vids. It's crazy. Yeah. We yeah. all, I have like, I think the last time I counted, I had like 18 streams of revenue. Yeah. And it used to be for me when I first started, just my free cams. Mm-hmm. And so like that puts so much pressure on me to cam. I yeah. get on cam and I'd be like, I have to make my rent, which would make me anxious, which would make me not as happy, yeah. which would make me not as fun. And then I wouldn't make as much money. So now now it's like, oh, I yeah. have my rent made. Now when I go on cam, it's like much more fun. I get to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Do you find um, that camming is like kind of emotionally exhausting because you have to, you know, spend all this time convincing people to give you money, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's not a guaranteed thing. No, you're right. And I think that I mean, so I've, I've always kind of had a problem with websites that take 75% of your money, but Mm. I've been talking to a lot of girls who say like, those are the only websites that they're guaranteed that they will make a couple hundred dollars if they log on. And Mm. so I think that takes away a lot of the pressure of like, it is, it is exhausting to stay on camera for an hour and not have one person talk to you and have not one person give you like a a token, not one token. So it's like, did I just do $0 worth of work? And if you go on another site, that's maybe not an option. It, mm-hmm. They will pay you no matter what, but yeah. you feel like you're getting money stolen from you yeah. because they take 75%, but they just need to be transparent about where that money is being spent. Right. Like understanding that being put on the front page of Pornhub costs streammate money or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like those things being explained to cam girls. I mean, I guess that's kind of on us though. Right. To go to these like ex-biz business panels and like learn the stuff that I've learned about like affiliate marketing. There's so many things that we don't know about this industry. I, I released my first four scenes without using an affiliate code, yeah. which is so stupid because that's our way to get our residuals from our scenes. Right, right. Like they're never going to give us royalties. I mean, I negotiated royalties for my Evil Angel documentary mm-hmm. thing, but they said they had to make the profits back on the movie and I still haven't seen anything from that so we'll see yeah yeah i mean you know it's not that easy to sell titles these days and dvds and it's fucking rough i wish they would have just like i prefer to do content trade unless Mm -hmm. it's a company or a director that i want to work for Mm -hmm. because i know that i could make more money on that if i just had a copy of it yeah like if i just had a copy of that whatever it was i could make more money you wouldn't have to pay my rate and i know that like you're gonna, your fans are gonna be happy. My fans are gonna be yeah. happy. So I really prefer to do it that way now. Cause, but you come from the entrepreneur's background. Like you think of things in the long term, yeah, as exactly. opposed to like just that short term paycheck. And it's hard for some people like who just want to get that, you know, thousand dollars or whatever, and then just like you know know that they have it, as opposed to like waiting, you know, years to yeah, get that. Yeah, maybe, yeah, years. But like I hustle on cam, you know, that's what Mm -hmm. I feel like is I'm a a salesman. So I'm like, I'm going to try and make back like this. This would have been my rate for that scene. Mm -hmm. I want to make that much money. And then I don't really worry about it anymore. Yeah. I'm like retweet my video previews every now and then. Do you like ever have to cam and you're just like in a shitty mood? And like, how do you manage that? I used to have to do that, but I've like changed my business platform so that I don't have to do that anymore. I really Mm -hmm. don't. If I ever did, it would be for some tragic life event that I needed a lot of money for, which Mm -hmm. is really crazy that I have the ability. Like, I think I could make $10,000 tomorrow if I really needed it. Wow. 
like, you know, like if I really, I was on my social media and I was like, look, I just found out this, this is happening and I need mm-hmm. $10,000. Let's get on cam can and I, work it. Can I ask you how much you've made like in a day? When I used to do my library shows, I would make like $4,000 in like two hours. Jesus, that's crazy. But I like, I was trying to get in and out, you know, I was yeah. doing like crazy ass shit. So it's not like I was going to spend all day in the library. Yeah. So I like, I would bring people with me to like, notify me if anybody was coming so nobody ever even came close to seeing me and all the people in my background are like my friends but I was still getting naked in the middle of Arizona State University's library nuts it was so crazy and you never got caught no not to my knowledge I I mean I I feel like if they knew about me they weren't gonna like publicize it because they were trying to get rid of their party school image so hard right that a porn star being caught masturbating in their library would be adding to that image. Right, right. So it's not the PR they're going for. Exactly. I was very careful about it though. Like I did it in this law library on campus that nobody even knew about. Mm. So it's not like they could recognize the library. Okay. And I took a lot of precautions to make sure nobody even came near me. Yeah. Wow. I was in like a cubicle, like a three-sided cubicle. Okay. But like you could see people's feet. Yeah. So it was like nobody could see me, but you could see them on camera. It was yeah. like interesting style. Um, how much do, I've heard like crazy numbers on what girls can make a month, like on cam, like $60,000. Is that oh, yeah, about, totally. is the, that right? The Miss My Free Cams contest. Like I think the, the number one girl makes over a hundred thousand dollars in one month. And then like towards the bottom, it's like maybe 35, 40,000. I can see the why bottom they, of the 20. I can 20. see why a girl making that would come to set and be like, fuck you, bitch. I don't like your lingerie or your location. <laughs> what is this lingerie? My lingerie costs me $4,000. <laughs> I don't need this job that pays me $500. Yeah, exactly. That's like, they're doing it for the exposure. They really are. And mm-hmm. if you're doing it for the exposure, you really need to be picking people you want to work with. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's my I, advice. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, like I, I mean, but it's like working with you. Like you think you're like, oh, I want to get those pictures. But then you're like, oh, it takes work and time and I have to listen to someone else. What is that? <laughs> right. When was the last time I had to listen? I haven't, since I lived at home, I haven't had to be told what to do. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, true, like though. I've done two photo shoots that I've had other people shoot me for my, and I, it was for my own content. I owned it. I made them sign a work for hire. I paid them. I was very selective about who I shot. I picked the locations. I picked the wardrobe. Even one of them, when she was shooting me and she had the assistant, I didn't yeah. like the way he put the light. I went over there and I took the light and I fucking moved it. And then I went and I stood back to where, and, but I warned her. I was like, I'm going to be like this. Just so you know, like, I'm not going to be a bitch about it. I'm just, yeah. I can't help it. I think that they just, they don't, a lot of us don't think like, oh, I could do that myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could do that myself. I think the world kind of doesn't do that. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, oh, I could hire a a photographer. I could hire someone to do the lighting. I could hire people to do this. Editors, yeah. like, yeah, just like another production company. And then you don't have to listen to anybody and you can be the boss and you yeah. can pick everybody you There's want to work with. There's tons and- of people out there who need work. So yeah. like, if you want to dish out the money, you can have a shoot done exactly how you want it. Like a build your own production company style thing for cam girls yeah. is like, would be a very lucrative idea because the future of our industry is catering towards the individual performers. I think mm-hmm. any company that does that is going to be successful. That's why only fans and fan central are just like popping off because yeah. And it's like completely changing the way the porn industry is. Like, oh, absolutely. So many people's income isn't dependent on it anymore. Mm-hmm. And they can 
pick and choose. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It can be, it, it can, can be a good or a bad thing. It can be both. Just like you said. Yeah. Believe me. Sometimes for like us old dinosaur directors, we're just like, why are you here? If you don't want to be if here. If you don't yeah. want to be here, you know? Yeah. I, I try to be a pleasure on set because first off, I want my job to be as fun and easy mm-hmm. as possible because then it doesn't seem like work. And right. there are hard parts about this, but I'd like to like reduce those as much as I can. Yeah. So picking people I want to work with, like just asking people, like, can I approve who I get to work with is kind of like crazy to them because like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I would, I wish we had yes lists. Yes lists. Mm-hmm. Like here, I'll give you 20 people and you can pick like five of them that you mm-hmm. would like to work with because I think that one of the most crucial things to like, for me personally, my scenes being successful is having like genuine real chemistry with that person. I agree. No matter what, like even if the lighting is bad, if whatever, like if that exists, my fans will love it. They'll pay for it and they'll watch it again. Yeah. It's interesting because actually when I shoot people for my own production, as long as it's not something that I'm shooting that's like super specific where I need like the role of the part, you know, the people to look a certain way. Like I ask people who they want to work with. Like that's my first choice. That's my first question. Because I think it would be that way. Because I want you to like who you're working with because then you'll have a good scene. You'll be happy. We'll get great content. I'll be happy. You're not going to try and like rush out of there. Yeah. Like everyone's just going to have a better day. Like I don't understand like why, I think that people forget that they're dealing with people. I think think that's where a lot of the problems in this industry come from. Like agents forgetting that they're dealing with people, producers, directors, their co-stars, all of us. So just always remembering that. Yeah. And trying to (laughs) not just be like, just throwing them together. What? Yeah. I know you fucking hate each other, but work. (laughs) Make it work. (laughs) Hate fuck each other, I guess. Sometimes that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it is. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I'm going to ask you about your uh, your Evil Angel Cam Girls movie. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're going to go there. All right, hang on. We'll be right back. So really quickly, I just need to explain why I so desperately need you to support my podcast. Currently, I'm bringing in enough to cover the expenses of producing my show, but there's not much left over after all the bills have been paid. One big thing on my wish list for this year is I really want to take my show to the AVN convention. But that is going to cost me a fortune, and I cannot do it without your help. Imagine all the amazing interviews I can get there in the middle of the biggest porn expo in the world. There's so much more I want to do with this show, but I don't want to bore you with all the details, and I know you want to get back to the interview. So I will say this. Please seriously consider supporting the show that you love so much. You can join my Patreon for as little as $5.00. And get access to the interview streaming live, as well as lots of other bonus content you cannot get anywhere else. There's also a lot more that I offer, if you can afford to shell out a few more bucks. So go check out everything that I have to offer at patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Now, if you really can't or don't want to, for whatever reason, support my Patreon, please consider purchasing something from one of my sponsors. Just make sure you use my code. They will only come back to sponsor more episodes if they see their investment paying off. Thank you guys so much. And if you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to email me at hollyrandallunfiltered at gmail.com. And now back to the show. So Ginger, um, you were involved in a bit of controversy I believe. Was it last year or was it the beginning of this year? Um, we filmed the scenes at the 
end of February, and then the movie didn't come out until the beginning of August. So okay, that's so when all the to last year stuff. So came. it's called it's called Cam Girls, right? Cam Girls, yeah, the movie and an evil angel movie. Mm-hmm. How did that whole process come about, and then how did it how did it end up where it ended up? So I met the people at Evil Angel at the Phoenix Forum, actually, which Mm -hmm. is like a business-to-business expo out in Phoenix. And then I guess they started asking around about cam models that they were interested in for some something that was similar to I Am Katrina, Mm -hmm. which was something I was really interested in doing. And um, I'm friends with a friend of the owner Mm -hmm. who also suggested me. So I guess they told me those two things, knowing about me at the Phoenix Forum and like, Mm -hmm just networking man Mm -hmm. uh they chose me for the movie they also told me that jenny bly was going to be a part of the film and so we had our first meet we started talking with them about like december Mm -hmm. and we met with them at avn in january and then we started filming in february Mm -hmm. before we filmed in la they went out to arkansas to film with jenny okay and then after we filmed out here they came out to arizona to film my stuff Oh, so after the scene, they came out to film your stuff? Yeah. Okay. So they were like with me in Arizona after everything had happened. Okay. And so tell me about the scene. So Was it just one scene that you shot for them? No, I shot three scenes. Um, My first scene was a girl-girl scene with Jenny. It was supposed to be a girl-girl scene, and John Stogliano decided to touch us during the scene. Mm -hmm. I've actually been thinking about how I should invoice them for that not being a girl-girl scene anymore. But so like be interesting to see how they did. that was, and I had asked the director of the project, not mm-hmm. the director of the scene because John was directing the scene. Mm-hmm. So I asked the director of the project, is he going to be touching us? Mm-hmm. Because I've seen a lot of his girl, girl films and he does touch them, but they told me no. It's kind of like his thing. Yeah. The, he plays this character called Buttman. Yeah. So I asked them, is he going to be playing that character? And they said no. So then he, he, the way he films apparently is just him with the girls mm-hmm. in the room. So yeah. everybody leaves and we're in the middle of doing the scene. And he's like, so, you know, I play a character called Buttman, right? And this is my first time on a porn set ever, basically. And I just like, you know, just let him do it basically. Cause yeah. I don't know. It's taken me a while to be able to advocate for myself. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And even like, for some reason I realized like I, I'm a, I'm really codependent, um, talking about my own things that I've experienced is really hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot easier for me to talk about other people, the things that they've gone through and for yeah. me to like fight for them. And for some reason when it's me, it's like, it's so difficult. Like dude, Ron Jeremy touched me. Like he grabbed my ass before, but I don't ever say that because it's just easier for me to be like, he's known to do this. than it right. is for me to be like, he did it to me. You right. Know? Right. I don't know what it is. Like I read that in a book yesterday and it like blew my mind. Like codependents are easier. They're, it's easier for us to advocate for other people than for ourselves. It totally makes sense to me. And so for me learning that, you know, I've, I've learned a lot more. I've learned so much in the past year about consent and just like the way people, I don't know, just, I think that that was either, I think the more I've heard about it, the more I've talked around, I've heard that John Stagliano just does that. That's just something he does. Like, mm-hmm. You've been Stogliano'd is something that somebody said to me. Oh, he did that to you too. So I, I think that that was an intentional consent violation. I don't think that the people involved, maybe if they did know that that was going to happen, are you going to stand up to John Stogliano? He's your boss. He can fire you. He can do this. Or are you going to, it's harder. It's a lot harder when a person's in that position of power. Right. So I thought that 
was an intentional consent violation. Like I had an interview with Aurora Snow planned later and I like just never reached out to her because I'm not someone who likes to lie about things and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna tell her the truth about what had happened there. Right. But I, I guess the way I rationalized it is I rationalized it by saying that it was a miscommunication because I had asked the director. I'd never asked John directly, are you going to be right, doing this? Right. And then the other thing that I rationalized, I just lost my train of thought, but um, yeah, just like trying to be like, oh, it was an accident. But no, I asking around, John knows what he's doing and he shouldn't have done that. And So he, you don't think it was a miscommunication? No, I really do not think so after asking around. Um, and then the other problem that happened, I still don't know if that was intentional. Like, like I said, I feel like I still am trying to rationalize everything that mm-hmm. happened a little bit, but you know, it was a scene with Manuel Ferrara and before the scene, you know, I do not think we sat down and discussed our boundaries and our limitations mm-hmm. nearly enough. I think that, you know, Manuel is known as like one of the best, if not the best performer in this industry. Mm -hmm. And so that also lends a level of like power to him in a way. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot, like if, if Manuel knows he likes to choke girls and if Manuel knows he likes to bite girls, I think that the responsibility is on him to Mm -hmm. let girls know that this might happen in the scene. I also don't know if that was something that was pre-planned, like rewatching the scene. It, it just seems like it escalated to a point. Like, I don't know if it was something that was intentional. I don't know. Mm. But I do think that if the scene is like rough or intense like that at all, it really does need to be clarified beforehand. Mm-hmm. You weren't concerned about working for Evil Angel, like, and knowing the kind of content that they create? So I did. And I, like I said, so at the end of that scene with Manuel, I thought that was like the best scene I had ever shot. Oh my God. Like I am one of my number one fantasies is being degraded and Mm -hmm. things like that. So I really enjoyed it. I don't even know if you said anything degrading, but I mean, slapping you and biting, it's pretty degrading. So like, I thought it was great. And what had been communicated to me most was that the squirting during the scene had been a problem with Jenny. Okay. And because it, that was also something that wasn't Jenny talked was about or anything. The scene. No, not at all. Jenny right. was very upset about the scene. She, and my focus for some reason, like, I don't know, maybe I was trying to rationalize everything that was going on was that she was just feeling that way because of her boyfriend. And that's mm-hmm. how I felt for a while because he was on the phone with her saying that, you know, I think that the scene was so rough, you might lose some of your fans and your followers. And that's when like more of the question of the physical aspects got brought up before mm-hmm. it was like just squirting. And then mm-hmm. once he got involved, it was more like that. And that's what I was just focusing on because mm-hmm. I had just gotten out of a relationship that someone was controlling me. And I was just like, you know, fuck anybody who tries to tell you like, you can't do whatever yeah. you want type thing. And so that's really what my focus was on when I'm, I should have been asking her more questions or I don't know, now that I have hindsight, I know how I could have handled everything better. Yeah. I think that you need to, you know, have it happen before the scene because there's only something you can, so much you can do after it happens. Yeah. And so I've just learned so much more about just consent and everything and how you can be in a situation with someone and especially in porn, mm-hmm. they can be uncomfortable and you don't know it. Yeah. And it does feel uncomfortable to think that you were involved in a sexual situation where you might have been hurting someone. Right. And I always feel like I'm a fairly good read of body language and things like that. And so I don't think that anything 
indicated to me in the moment that I could have stopped something or that she was uncomfortable. I really don't know anything. How it all went about afterwards was much more upsetting and hard for me because everyone started attacking me for my advocacy and um, my, what I do try and do for sex workers. And that was like the hardest thing for me because that really is one of the most important things in the world for me. It's like given me like motivation to live and just like a goal in life and things like that. So when that was tried to be taken away from me, it was really hard. Like that was the hardest time in my life, honestly. Yeah. Cause you were at APAC, right? Yeah. I had just like been, um, not, uh, chosen as chairperson when Mm. all of that started yeah and so they told me that there was going to be a vote for my position and I was like okay I'm going to make a video explaining what happens Mm -hmm. what happened from my perspective and in this video I had to explain why I wasn't focusing on what she was saying to me which was the things her boyfriend was saying and Mm -hmm. she keeps her boyfriend private from the public mm-hmm. and me explaining that in my video was the reason that she was asking for me to step down mm-hmm. or demanding for me to step down every single day. And so then APAC asked me to resign. And so I did. I'm really sorry. I can see that's like really hard for you. Well, I, I had a lot of really good ideas and I feel like I've just like wasted a year of my life almost, you know, mm-hmm. just like when that went on, you know, I didn't do anything for like months. Like I wasn't making content. I wasn't even, I was just trying to make it go away because, you know, your friends just going on social media. Like I had one girl that I thought was my really close friend who went on social media and kind of like, was like, yeah, Ginger was wrong and she doesn't care about the community type of stuff. And I was just texting her like, why wouldn't you have said anything to me? Like, that's really what I wish I'm, I think back and like maybe how I was reacting, it wasn't so easy for people to be honest with me maybe, mm-hmm. but I just wish they wouldn't have gone to, when you go on social media like that and you get thousands of people involved and it's just like now the, like the things I read about me online are that I let someone get raped on set and things like that. And it's, it's so insane. Like how things just blow up over social media and you know, it, I mean, I've seen so much, so many situations like what you're going through, you know, with other people and just like these stories spinning out of control and taking on a life of their own. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know what you went through was, was really hard and obviously like traumatic and horrible for me, for you. But, um, I do want to say that like situations like what you went through has really been, I think, a lesson for all of us about talking about consent and boundaries before the scene happens no, because I have noticed like, a very big shift and now paying attention to how the performers are feeling on set and are they consenting to these things being done to them and are boundaries being discussed or, or crossed? And that was something that nobody ever talked about before, you know, before the stuff like camming and before all these other platforms gave you guys the voice that you needed to talk about, how you felt mm-hmm. and your position. And I, I think that as, as awful as that experience was for you, and obviously it was, no, it's good. been a great lesson for the rest of us. And I feel Even like myself, like I really pushed people towards trying to make this industry better. Cause we do need to make it no, better. We do. Like I'm hyper vigilant about stuff. Like today I did like a really easy girl, girl scene, mm-hmm. like nothing was too intense, but I realized after I was like, we didn't really talk that much, mm-hmm. but 
I think it was because it wasn't anything too intense. It was just a girl-girl scene. But at the same time, like, it does make me uncomfortable to think, oh, maybe anything happened. You know, I think it's something that we need to check in before, during, and after. Because, you know, during, I think that you should be able to say no. I think we really need more no and, like, more, like, real stuff happening in porn Mm -hmm. because... Maybe not. I don't know. We're creating a fantasy. I go back and forth a lot. (laughs) I don't know. Because like we are, it's a fantasy what we're creating. So should we have to be completely authentic or are we allowed to be more like Hollywood in some regards? I don't know. I think as long as the performers are on board with what's going on, that's the most important thing. And I um, think the lack of sex education maybe is like the actual problem. Yeah. All I know is. After that happened, I did discuss things with Evil Angel about things that they can improve for the pe- with the people that I could have my discussions with. And mm-hmm. I still do have discussions all the time about how we can improve this industry. Mm-hmm. So for anyone to say that I don't care about the industry, that's just the biggest, most hurtful part of it. Because yeah. it really is the thing I care about most in the world. Yeah. I, I, it's my family. And I feel like when we, when we push people out and we ostracize them from like a lot of the time, their only family that they have, it's devastating and we can't do that. And I refuse, like, even if someone is being attacked over the most vicious, like if they do something fucked up and I see a thousand people attacking them, I will reach out to the person who's being attacked yeah. every time now because being have, on the other side of that is really awful. And you don't, ever understand what it is like until it's happening to you because I feel like I used to be on the I was one of the people who would pile on and I didn't even understand and I refuse to be that now like what is your end goal here yeah like what did those people want me to what were they trying to accomplish you know did they really want me to stop being an advocate like I did learn and I have learned so much and the BDSM community has been great at teaching me about that. Like I do learn a lot from the people who participate in that and, you know, more studios should emulate the practices that kink has and things like that, because there are resources out there. We can prevent stuff like this. We can try to prevent stuff like this from happening as much as we can in the future. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's interesting because after, you know, seeing that situation with you. And then, I mean, so many others, you know, like what happened with, with Emma Hicks and mm-hmm. the lifestyles. And um, I mean, there's just been like countless situations that have come, come up and, and it's really great that people are finally like talking about this kind of stuff. And, you know, for me, like talking about do's and don'ts before a scene were ne- was never something that was really on my mind because I mean, first of all, like I've always shot pretty fairly vanilla stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't shoot really hardcore things. So like, I always feel like it's no one's going to do anything crazy. So we don't need to talk about it. But then I I did realize I'm like, no, we still, there might be like one thing, like there might be one thing that might trigger somebody or that they don't like. And, and I think it's important to set that precedent. So I really try to be careful to, and there's been a couple of times that like, I forgot to say like, Hey, have you guys talked about boundaries? And then afterwards I'm like, fuck, you know, I should have made sure that that was the case. And that's what I mean about like intentional consent violations and unintentional consent violations, because I do believe there is a difference. And I think that it's important to acknowledge if somebody had bad intentions, but then again, if you're a really, (laughs) 
you're a really skilled sociopath, who fucking knows? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who to trust. All I know is there are really good people in this industry. Like Aiden Starr reached out to me after all that happened to show me like, this is what it can be like to work mm-hmm. on a porn set. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. One of the best experiences, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. It was just so crazy. Like, um, like when John Stagliano would be like, oh, this is turning me on. You know, I'm going to go masturbate to it later. You know, I would be like, he's trying to compliment you. I think he's trying to compliment you. Yeah. And then Aiden will be like, will you lift your butthole or your butt cheek, sweetie, so I can see your butthole? Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. Same thing, completely different approach. Yeah, that's exactly that. I'm the Aiden thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't ever... <laughs> It's well, like, also too personally, like I'm not turned on by what I shoot. I'm just like thinking about like getting that shot. And also too, like I, I always want to make sure the girls feel comfortable. Yeah. And, like, and nobody feels weird about exactly, it. Exactly. Because then we're going to be putting on our best performance. Like, yeah. Unless you get off on girls feeling fucking weirded out, yo. Which some people <laughs> Which do. some people do. <laughs> That's not the type of porn we're trying to shoot, yo. Yeah. Just imagine it. Just imagine that. Yeah, you know, um, I had Julia Ann on a while ago and we talked about the whole like Twitter shaming thing and we talked about the pile on and she talked about how, how sometimes like social media takes away people's humanity. I think people forget that you're talking to a human being. The internet has done that, I think. Yeah, like- just because you're not, cause the thing is, is that the things that people say to you on Twitter are not things that they would say to your face Never. or even text you or even on the phone. You know what it is? It's like people in cars and how they Yelling fucking behave. You. Have they yell at you and cut you off on the freeway and flip you off? Because they feel like they're never going to. Yeah, because there's they're no- like in this little box and there's no like. Well, it's then, true like- when everybody else is helping you and you feel yeah. like you're being encouraged but by the fucking mob. But then when you mob. pull up next to them at the stoplight and they're right next to you and that person can rolls down their window like, hey, why, why you want oh, yeah. to you talk about this face to face? And it's me. like a totally different experience. I try to squash beef. Like I walked up to Alana Evans at uh, Expos Miami and I was like, let's talk, dude. Like, I feel like if we're all on the same team, like, why should we be fighting each other? Like, we're literally wasting our time and energy fighting each other when we have like, we all have the same goal in mind. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not good use of our time and energy. Right. We're wasting it. And how'd you take that? Good. Like I, was, I literally, I said, you need to call me whenever you, like, I think we're reading each other's tweets in the wrong tone of voice. Like yeah, that's what I said that too. because too. I had to defend Tommy Pistol on Twitter the other day. Cause he said something and I think it was taken in the wrong tone of voice. Like those two girls that were attacked because they were kissing, like, or the, the gang of guys surrounded them and told these two lesbians to kiss. And then instead they attacked them. Mm-hmm. And then later they found out that the guys that surrounded them were a bunch of teenagers. They were like 13 or something. Mm-hmm. And I think Tommy Pistol was in shock. He was like, they were just teenagers. Like, what the fuck? And mm-hmm. everybody else read it as they were just teenagers. Right, right, right. And I was like, go look at Tommy's timeline for two seconds. You, He's not the type of person to defend them. And it's just like no. people literally in our industry and thousands of people were freaking out on him like he was defending them and like nope you just read it in the wrong tone of voice literally that's all that happened oh absolutely and i mean there's definitely times that like all like right saying i'm like oh this is a funny joke and then i'm like yeah never mind i can't read <laughs> i'm just not gonna put that up because one person's gonna take it the fucking wrong totally. way and then the next person and then the next person and the thing is is like people don't do their research or really think about stuff no they, just, they really don't they just pile and become like this pack mentality online they are and it's really awful. It's scary. And 
until you like now when I see like some narrative being spread about someone, I'm like, I'll just wait until I get to know that person. Like I can't judge you from yeah. the internet. I can't because I am on the other side of that. I know what it's like. And so I just got to keep doing what I think is right. And then mm-hmm. live my life. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. They really don't affect me that much. Like, I don't know, just block and ignore. So what's your relationship with evil angel now? Are you guys good? Um, I like, there's people at the company that I absolutely love, but as long as John is involved in that company and continuing to make porn and being on set, I don't think I'll ever be associated with them again because I think him being involved is a liability for other girls and uh, guys to get sexually assaulted. Anybody, anybody who wants to put his hands on because I have heard, I just, I just, but at the same time, like when he touched us on set, the narrative became HIV, John Stagliano, blah, blah, blah. If you touch someone, you cannot get HIV. You cannot yeah, transmit I, it that way. And, and then so you're contributing to the HIV stigma. stigma. And so for when, when that went on, I wasn't ready to advocate for myself. The only thing I was able to advocate for was <laughs> him being attacked for his HIV status. So that's all I spoke out about, which was stupid because, well, at that point, he was just doing that one movie. Mm-hmm. He wasn't back at Evil Angel. And now he's back and he's making decisions. And I don't think that's the best idea. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want people getting hurt in this industry. I don't want to hurt people in this industry. So I want it to be a good, safe place for people to come and make money. But you can also understand now having gone through that when you're in that situation and you don't, you don't know if you can speak up for yourself and oh it God, totally. can be really, can be really hard. Like the social pressure and, and like so it's, intimidating. it's so easy to stand from the outside and be like, Oh, I would have done this. I would have done that. Like, you and know, it happens or, or, to you. And then when and you're, happens you're to looking you. up to this person and you're right. like, Oh my God, I, I, I look up to him. I, I admire him so much. Mm-hmm. And then it happens to you. You're like, Oh fuck. I've myself definitely been in like morally ambiguous situations where I'm like, I don't know how to handle this. Or like, I know that this may not be the right thing or the best thing or the best decision. And I'm just like, you know, I've shot girls and fortunately this doesn't really happen anymore, but there's been a, I mean, I've been in the industry for 20 years. So like, but there's been a couple of times that I've shot girls that like clearly don't want to be. Oh my God. There. That's the worst thing Don't want to be doing this. And then I'm like. But they have, they need the money for some reason. That's always the answer that I always get. And like I say, I think about this a lot. If you don't want people, like, that's a capitalism problem. Mm -hmm. Like, people are always going to be put into sex work that don't want to be there until every human's basic needs are taken care of. Mm -hmm. Straight up. I think Mm -hmm. about it all the time. And like, that's a capitalism problem. So if you want to support sex workers, you want to stop sex trafficking, you need to support every human's basic needs being supported because that's why they go into this industry when they don't want to. It's because they owe money for rent. It's because they owe this. Okay. And so what I've been in situations like that too, where a girl, like she says she's a lesbian, but she wants to do boy, girl porn. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is traumatic. I genuinely do. Even if you consider yourself the most amazing adult performer in the world, I think that's traumatic in some way, shape or form. And Mm -hmm. that's just my personal opinion as someone who has put themselves in situations that they don't want to be to please other people or whatever. Yeah. So I think I, what I tell people is that whatever you like to do sexually, like there are people out there that will want to watch it. Right. So don't force yourself to put yourself in situations that you don't want to be because some dude wants you to fist your asshole. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't. There are people out there that love fisting their assholes. Leave it to them. Let there them are. fist their assholes there to are. death. Like, you don't, don't have to, to be the asshole fister. Yeah, no. Let like someone else fist their asshole. It's beautiful. That's the beauty in the world. It's like, you want to watch someone lick a toilet? There is someone out there that likes to lick toilets. Don't make the, the person who doesn't like to lick a toilet lick a toilet. <laughs> It's so fucking beauty. That's the beauty of sex work in the internet is you can find so them. Yeah. So like, there's no excuse. You don't have any fucking excuse anymore. <laughs> so how do you think that experience has changed you as a performer? It's made me hyper vigilant about consent. It's made me um, ask more about what people do like instead of what they don't like on mm-hmm. set and focusing on those things. Right. It's made me um, like just talk way more before I do a scene yeah way more I like I like to get to know the person if I can like Mm -hmm. I also have that privilege to like I like to work with good nice people who care about the world and who want to make the world a better place and who like love this industry and just realize it's made of humans and I'm not gonna I I, just so many things have come out (laughs) (laughs) is it has any of it ever made you want to like produce content yourself well, my, have you thought about so like, Evil how Angel? You want to do things? Evil Angel wanted me to do like a Cam Girls getting into porn series. Yeah, and um, that obviously is never going to happen now. But <laughs> I was like, we probably changed their minds. No, I'm right when all of the stuff started coming out, they were like, "That's not happening anymore." I understand that, but I mean, I I want to do stuff my on my own. I would love to have some sort of an idea of what I want to do. Like, I love making my own amateur stuff right now. That's mm-hmm. what I. It's super fun and I'm like recently single. I was in a like eight year relationship. So I'm just getting to explore myself and my sexuality and mm-hmm. my fans are getting to watch that mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. What is the one thing that you have found that you enjoy sexually that you didn't realize before you got into porn? Um, I was like getting really turned on by eating ass. <laughs> And I never really enjoyed doing that before, but I think it's because I had never done it. Mm, yeah. I mean, don't knock it till you try it. Like I'm really into degrading things. Like I just know that about me. And I feel like the more- So you like playing like a dom? No, d- being degraded. Oh, so being like degraded. The, the more strong and independent I become as a woman, like honestly, I truly feel like the more that stuff turns me on. And now yeah. I understand why, oh, that's why CEOs love getting like mm-hmm. tied up and do all those things is because it's like a power release. It's like- I don't know, the more powerful I become, the more that becomes degrading in a way. No, I know exactly. The more degrading that becomes. Like, don't ever call me a slut in real life, but in the bedroom, holla. (laughs) (laughs) Holla. I I totally agree with you. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I definitely am submissive in the bedroom, but I'm not like that in in person. Yeah. And I, and um, yeah, it's just, you you can still be a feminist and. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, is that like I spend all fucking day making decisions. I make so many decisions. I have a lot of people work for me. I tell them what to do. And so like when it comes to sex, I don't want to make any fucking decisions. (laughs) You do the work. You do the work. You tell me what to do. Like, yeah. And it's that relief. And that's the great thing about sex. You know, it's like different things work for different people. And, and it's, it's such a release. It's like an emotional release. I want to get to know what I like. And before I shoot with people like kink, because they're like, gave me a list of websites and they're like, so what do you like? And I was like, I I should figure that out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I've heard from so many girls that kink is a great place to learn what you like. Oh, that's awesome. Because like, you know, they 
really respect your boundaries. Yeah. And if you want, like, so Danny Daniels is a good friend of mine. She has been terrified of caning like her whole life, yeah. but she decided to do this thing. I think it's the training of O with kink where they basically train you to um, enjoy some kind of sexual yeah. um, activity. I, I, I hope that that's sort of right. Um, and so she did something with caning and mm-hmm. she said like at the beginning, she like would see a cane and she'd start crying, you know, like she yeah. I mean, it freaked her out that much. And then at the end she, she learned to enjoy it. So it was like this, I mean, there's so much like psychology yeah, involved. Really and I think that when you take, um, you know, psychology and you mix it like with sex, that that's when it becomes really powerful and interesting. Sex and plus. also it can be very healing too. Yeah. You know, you, you can control situations when previously in your life, you had no control over mm-hmm. them and it's beautiful. I yeah. mean, Everything, what is it? Uh, safe, sane, and consensual. Mm-hmm. So those three pillars. And I, like I said, I, I have a, I have a date with a BDSM dom while I'm out here, and I'm excited mm. to explore. I met him four years ago at oh, Exotica wow. in Chicago, but I yeah. was dating someone. Yeah. So it's like four years of anticipation. Yeah. And it's interesting how in the BDSM world, there's a lot more discussion about consent than there is like anywhere else. There's I like none in yeah, the vanilla world. No, I used to date a, um, a Dom and I remember he gave me a checklist of like do's and don'ts. It was like four pages. I was like, what the, where fuck do you want me to keep this? Is this, I found it the other day on one of my hard drives. I was like, I totally forgotten wow. about it. And I remember thinking he was so weird, but now like it kind of, it makes sense to me. I feel like that maybe like in 10 years and you'll be hooking up with someone at a bar, they'll pull up their app and like, you can switch, like you can send the person your SGD test results and like your kinks, like what you're into. And you're like consentless. Yeah. You may have just come up with a fucking million dollar idea, girl. <laughs> Do it. I mean, I feel like the STD market for like the general public is severely lacking. Yes, like, that's absolutely Let's just true. make it cool to get tested because <laughs> the regular world. Th- this dude told me that he literally puts his dick in apple cider vinegar after he fucks a girl raw. And that's how he prevents himself from getting STDs. And he was dead serious. Wow. And I was like, well, that's why I make you wear a condom, dude. And I don't think we're ever going to fuck again. Oh my God, that's insane. Even if you like kiss someone, you know, there could be STDs there too. So it's just like, if you don't take care of yourself, like I won't even wear a condom with you. Wow. You just have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, and especially especially, too, you bear a responsibility to the other people that you work with. It's totally, that's definitely something I've noticed is like back in my camming life, I was a lot less safe and like about sex now, never. Yeah. It's not that hard to go to your doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Ask them to email your results to you. Get tested (laughs) for these 10 things. Like that's fine for me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be through pass or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Is it the same thing? Well, I mean, pass is just the, um, the database that you basically, you sign a thing saying that like you allow your results to be entered into pass. So producers who obviously like you have to be approved to have a password to pass to, um, access that information. But yeah, I was hoping our, cause you can actually get the same. You well, you can go to like talent testing or whatever, and you can get an STD test, and you just request that they don't put it in pass. I know my, but it's the same. It's the same test. I actually have been starting to use my little promo code to get free testing credit. Yeah, I don't see enough porn stars using that. Can you tell us about that? For I think if you don't know about it, if you go to I know my status dot com, you can get tested like a porn star, Mm -hmm. and 
all you porn stars listening, go to your dashboard on talent testing. There should be like a unique code that you can just post paste on your social media. I've gotten like 69 bucks since I did it a couple weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's really great how, you know, they're trying to really push like making sure that everybody is um, testing and up to date on their testing and does it regularly. Cause it, it can get expensive. I know that. It is super expensive. You'd think we would have our own health insurance or something by now. Not the way health insurance is in this country. <laughs> want to give it to those dirty porn stars, do we? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole other fucking thing. Then we would have to start wearing condoms or something. Uh, it would just be a fiasco. Yeah. Not that again. <laughs> Not that again. So what, um, what do you, so let's, okay. So we've talked about like a bad experience that you've had. What are some great experiences that you've had in porn? Like, have you, do you have any scenes that you've done that you like, you really proud of, excited about that you think people should go check out? Yeah, I did that. I mean, I know it's with Evil Angel, but <laughs> my fine. scene with uh, Aiden Starr and Chanel Santini is a really great scene. Mm. I, I love it. I love hanging out with her. She's a beautiful girl. So, you know, we mm-hmm. have a good connection. And Aiden's, like, she just made me really comfortable. I think you can tell that in my scene. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not not as nervous as I was on yeah. all the other sets. Right. So how was, was your scene with Chanel, was that your first time working with a trans performer or had you? Yes. And I had been given advice that it was too early on in my career to do something like Mm -hmm. that. And I think of, I try to think of people as people and sex acts as sex acts. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm just going to have sex with her, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's it. Cause I feel like also if you're like, I'm doing my first trans scene, all of my yeah. fans who are like super bigoted are just like, oh, I'm never going to look at that. Yeah. So I just released my scene with Chanel and I'll watch it if you want. And they're like, oh my God, it's the fucking hottest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I just did another scene with her on many vids and it's by far my most, like I've never sold a clip like that in my entire life. I didn't yeah. know it was going to be like that when I did it. Yeah. It's awesome. A lot of people are really, I mean, the trans market's blowing up. It's crazy because I mean, I'm telling you like not even five years ago, like mainstream porn stars never did trans scenes. Never. Something about Never, never, never. Or if you did do trans scenes, then uh, mainstream straight people wouldn't work with you. I mean, you would get like- I don't know. How does the crossover thing work for trans girls? Like it's so weird, this industry and hearing people- like you get put on people's no lists because you yes. work with crossover performers. I really don't care. I take care of myself. You can work with me whether you want to or not. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I, I pick people like based on if I know that they like, I feel like if I know a person isn't going out and trying to get their approval through sex, like that's one of the things I like. Cause I, when I used to be not sex or mm-hmm. not, not sex, when I used to be not safe, that's what I was having sex for the wrong reasons. You know, right. I was going out there having sex with like five people in one night. Like it was not good. Wow. You're and a busy girl. It was, <laughs> yeah, but I was do, I wasn't doing it cause I wanted to have sex. I want to do it cause I'm like, wanted to Validation. feel loved or validated or whatever right. it was. Yeah. So those are just the people that I will work with later on in their lives or their careers or whatever, you know, hopefully. Right. right. So I, I, and that goes for straight people, gay people, like, and so I try to tell girls, like, we should call ourselves crossover performers if we do girl, girl and straight know, porn. right? <laughs> Technically, the right? stigma doesn't apply to yeah, girl, girl. Somehow that's it doesn't just, apply to that's us. That's just hot. Yeah, no, I heard that you know, somebody... Like, cause a lot of straight male porn stars, if you, if they want to make money on their social media, they need to cater to the gay market because our customers are men. Absolutely. Use your brain. Absolutely. Men plus men equal 
gay. That's yeah, it's fine. Like, it's not it's, a bad thing. It's so, like how Play, Playgirl tried to convince themselves that it was yikes. women subscribing to that magazine. Totes. Yeah, exactly. No. But like a, a straight dude playing with his butthole shouldn't get him put on your no list, in my opinion. And I've, I remember that happened once again, many years ago. It was a male performer who just did, had his own solo site, never touched another guy, yeah, nothing, that's but homophobia. did like solo masturbation stuff and this girl would not work with him because she told me straight up she goes oh he does gay work I'm like what are you talking about she goes he does gay work I'm like where and she's like oh well he has his website and he does like all these masturbation videos for gay fans I'm like that's not gay work yeah what I don't understand <laughs> she's like no I literally don't like it if you do anything gay like <laughs> she's like I was like he's not touching there's no other men in this scenario like, for one one argument you can try and say it's HIV transmission which I think is also stigma once you get educated about it a little bit right but then you can't fucking use that excuse right there <laughs> it was it's the most blatant, like, yeah, I mean, just it's example. In us, it is. It it's really is. It's ingrained in our society. I it mean, is. the first time I ever saw two gay dudes kiss, I gagged. Yeah. That's like my reaction. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was, me and my sisters were like, ew, like, this is so gross. That blows my mind that that was the person that I was raised to be. Mm-hmm. My parents, you know, they would be like, oh, we'd beat the shit out of a dude. Like, dude, like, that's the, my, how my parents talked about yeah. gay people. People can change though. And I feel like we're really creating an environment where we're not giving people the ability to change or learn or grow from their mistakes. And like, like it's, it scares me that people are going to like clip what I just said into like, you know, <laughs> ginger banks gags at gay people, you know, like that's yeah. like, but I get so scared about that. I'm always typing things out to like you said, I'm always terrified of how what I say is going to be taken in reality. We're like, we're all human and we make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. But this is true. Um, it's interesting that you say that about um, the gay, the gay thing that, uh, because I don't know if you saw, but you know, obviously gay, they, there was just that gay pride, pride parade yeah. and Vogue I published that, that fo- published that photo of Abigail, of Abigail Mac, Mac and Adriana Chekchik. I think not knowing that they were porn stars, which like, it was such a victory for everyone. Oh everyone in the porn industry God, was like, I know. yes, porn stars yeah. are Vogue. Like we were all so excited. And I also know. too, both girls are just so great. Yes. But I, so I saw that on their Instagram and I went and I read all the comments and I couldn't believe how incredibly aggressive, homophobic what? and nasty the comments were. Oh my God. Like, you know, people saying everything from like, I'm no longer subscribing to Vogue. This is against God to like, Okay, I know, um, you know, being gay is cool, but you have to shove it in our face. Like, you know, I that's mean, the thing. Like, okay, you're uncomfortable. Ask yourself why you're uncomfortable because mm-hmm. this is about love. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And right. If it makes you uncomfortable, like, that's something that you got to deal with because this is not going anywhere. People are not going back in the closet. I truly do not believe that. I no. will fight. I hope not. Like, like I'm bisexual and I remember like very vividly the first time I said those words mm-hmm. and I'm like one of, I'm probably the most privileged out of all of the, like I'm a, I look the way I do and I'm fucking bisexual. Like it's a pretty privilege, like mm-hmm. hot girls kissing. Uh, it's like, it's not as bad, but it's, people are getting killed places. Yeah. And so I feel like I, I always feel like I have a responsibility, especially the way I look. I think that People are a little bit more opening to hear what I have to say because I look like a Fox News anchor. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I call myself an undercover liberal all the time. <laughs> I'll get into cars and this dude will be like, I had someone in here once speak in English. We're in America. And I'm like, sir, if you went to France, 
would you speak French French when you were in the fucking back of a taxi or would you speak English? Like they probably know both languages. Like, come on. They do, but I'll tell you something. The French don't like speaking English at all. I have not heard good things about France. Man. It's not my favorite. Place. Like it's pretty with the people. Yeah. So. I think it depends on where you go. Also too, to be fair, like Americans are so obnoxious when they travel. Like when I'm in another, it's funny though. It's like, I mean, this is obviously so incredibly um, like hypocritical, but when I travel to like other countries and there's an American there, I'm like, what are you doing here? I came here to get away from you. You and your, I hear that grating American accent in my ear and I'm like, oh God, stay away from them. That accent. Oh my God. I don't know if I've ever been somewhere where I've had an accent. That's crazy to think about. It's weird, right? (laughs) You sound weird. I've never heard that. Yeah, no, you, you, to certain people you do. It's so crazy. I know, right? So. Um, well, Ginger, thank you so much for coming on. Oh God, I had a blast. Um, oh. I actually, we're going to do a little Q&A for my Patreon cool. members, if you're cool. I have Fuck some yeah. little, actual little yes. insightful questions. Um, so if you guys want to listen to that, you can go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Um, otherwise, Ginger, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and plug all your all your websites that you want to plug where people can give you money. Where can people go to give you money? That's the important question. You can go to, uh, follow me on Twitter at gingerbanks1. I do love interacting with my fans. And then if you go to, just search my name on many vids, only fans, fan central, you'll find me. I'm on every website. Pornhub. If you go to tapmy.bio backslash gingerbanks, all my links will be there. Perfect. <laughs> And you guys can follow me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, go to hollyrandallunfiltered.com for more about this podcast. And uh, don't forget, email us, hollyrandallunfiltered at gmail.com with your comments, questions, concerns. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. Just your weekly reminder to join my Patreon to support this podcast. That's patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get access to the live behind the scenes tapings of these shows, my new bonus podcast called My LA Porn Life, as well as behind the scenes exclusive interviews with some of your favorite stars. And also a second reminder to, you know, Rate me five stars on iTunes and leave me a review if that is the platform that you use. Also, my website, hollyrandallunfiltered.com, has so much more about my podcast if you just can't get enough. And also, don't forget to visit my website, hollyrandall.com, which is actually my membership site where I have a lot of sexy content going back over a decade. So you definitely want to go check that out. Next week on the podcast, I have the lovely Whitney Wright on. She is well known as a very, very good performer, great actress, but she's also taken on a new mantle. She is now directing. So I'm really excited to hear about that. It's always really fascinating to me when performers go from working in front of the camera to behind the camera, because I feel like they're suddenly opened up to the this whole new world of production. And mostly they can then understand all the complaints that I always make all the time. So um, it's really good to have somebody who's worked on both sides because I feel like they can just give so much insight into um, what it's like to make a porn movie, really. So make sure that you come back next week 
for Whitney Wright on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs>